Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. How's it going today, Mo? Hey, what's going on, Amber? Doing well. Uh, Ready to talk about leadership. So let's do it. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to start off with a story that I know that you love because I've heard you tell it several times. But it's a great story about Colonel Norman Schwarzkopf. And it was about the day that he took over as the commander of his unit from another commander as he arrived in Vietnam. And when meeting the outgoing commander, Schwarzkopf remembers the incident like this. Come on back to my hooch, he said. I need to talk to you a little. We drove about a mile to the battalion base camp, which was at the bottom of the hill. And then we walked to a little cabin halfway up the hillside. On the table sat a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label Scotch. This is for you, he said. You're going to need it. I was expecting a two or three hour conversation or discussion of the battalion, its officers, its non-commissioned officers and its mission. But he only said, well, I hope you do better than I did. I tried to lead the best I could, but this is a lousy battalion. It's got lousy morale. It's got a lousy mission. Good luck to you. And with that, he shook my hand and walked out. (laughs) Well, with an outlook like that, how could you expect anything but lousy morale? Because it's one thing to look at a situation and be able to determine whether it's good or not. But Mo, wouldn't you say it's a whole nother thing to be able to look at a situation and know you can do something about it? Yeah, it's worlds apart. And the way that uh, General Schwarzkopf, uh, or now uh, General Schwarzkopf, um, you know, the way he viewed the situation was really the way that you're supposed to. And speaking of great military leaders, uh, how more that we've uh, talked about in previous episodes, one said this, if given a choice between taking over for a good or a bad outfit, I'll choose the bad outfit every time. <laughs> and he says, they have nowhere to go but up. And that's so true, right? In fact, Halmore uh, took over for a pretty difficult unit as well uh, back in the Vietnam days. And he knew right away that he needed uh, uh, to, to change the climate. And within just a few days, even, he realized that it wasn't a bad unit, but there was bad leadership, <laughs> And so the, the, the men that he was taking uh, over and the man that he was taking over for, um, that, that guy had abused them in so many different ways. And so the officers and the non-commissioned officers, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't communicate. There were a ton of barriers. And so Helmore took it upon himself to break down those barriers and create a new climate. He knew that he had to be the one to change that climate. Well, and the things that need to be done to change a climate are are really important. But today, actually, you have three things that leaders don't want to do that will help change the climate. So why don't you start us off with what's the first don't? Yeah, I love it. And, And I love talking about the don'ts, right? So the first one is this. Leaders don't wait for permission. And so in the context of changing the climate of an organization or team, the leader never wants to wait for permission to do so. 
I mean, you have to figure that if you're brought in to a team to be the leader, then there was need for a change. That's why you were brought in. In fact, John Maxwell says in several of his books, but of course in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that the first thing he advises people to do when he's brought in to consult a bad team is fire the leader <laughs> and get somebody else. And it's it's in his view, as he always you know would say, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And, you know, the the simple fact that, um, you know, they were bringing him in, John Maxwell, uh, to work to salvage a, team, uh, salvage a team showed that the leadership needed a change. And so remember, um, we talked about in an earlier episode about how uh, leaders have to have a kind of self-confidence, right? And the reason they have to have such a confidence is because leaders are not the ones who are looking for permissions. They're the ones looking to push the team to higher limits. They are risking breaking something in the process. And that's why it's a very, very fine line. You know, the, the problem is when you look for somebody who is permission driven, you're going to find a person who ends up saying no to a lot of the great ideas and could potentially change the direction of a team. Well, what do you mean by permission driven? Is that somebody who can't act unless they've been given permission or somebody who doesn't want anybody else to act until they've given permission? What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's not necessarily that you are not going to be um, a good a good person and ask you know people to come alongside of you. It's more about kind of saying, this is where we're going. This is what we want to accomplish. And I'm going to go there. And I am inviting you to come alongside. And then you might say, well, isn't that, that's more just a demonstrator, Mo, right? What if people aren't following you? Well, that's why you have to, to be a good leader because you have to show people, look, I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just going to go forth and I'm going to do this. And it's kind of like the, the whole Jerry Maguire thing, right? You know, you know, it's, it's me and Flipper who's coming with me. <laughs> and sometimes the reason why leaders a lot of times don't want to do that, Amber, is because you sometimes will look like you have egg on your face, right? Just like Jerry Maguire, nobody wanted to come with him. And then everybody, you know, Bob Sugar was over in the corner eating a sandwich and just kind of like waves at him. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of the movie because Jerry Maguire was so vulnerable and so put out there and he really believed in something, but nobody else wanted to follow him. Well, leaders, you are dealing with that every day. You are going in a direction, hopefully, that your team kind of has a little bit of skepticism about because that's why you're the leader. If everybody already knew where they were going, right, if everybody already knew how to get there, then there would be no need for you. You'd just be another part of the team and you'd probably play a great part. But when you're the leader, you're asked to, you know, uh, do, do sometimes what, what is it? The road less traveled, right? You know, I, I came up to, uh, to, to two ways in, in the woods. And I took, I took the one that's less traveled leaders. You have to be that kind of leader. You have to be the one that says, man, it may not have been done like this before. And we might fail. We might fall down on our face. We might get egg on our face, but I'm willing to do it. And are you willing to come with me? And so I want the person on my team, if, if, whether I'm, I'm following somebody who's a leader, or if I am at a position where I set a leader to, to lead people, I want people that have an outlook that, you know what, it's easier to ask for forgiveness <laughs> than it is to ask for permission. Now, Amber, don't take that the wrong way because I know what you're you're gonna you're gonna do something and say, well, Mo told us in you know that episode that I was I'm not saying that you need to be disrespectful to your superiors or people that you um, uh, report to. In fact, when you are not asking permission, People really don't want you to because they will believe that you can do it. They're going to know that, hey, whatever decision that Amber makes, I'm really just going to trust that she does it. 
I mean, think about this, Amber. Have you ever had somebody um, that that you have, um, you know, uh, reported to and said, "I'm really thinking about going this way"? And, and what and what do you do when they say, "Yeah, go ahead and do it"? You're like, "Wow, this person really believes in me." So, does that make you want to be defiant, or does that make you want to do your best? Well, of course, it makes you want to do your best, right? So, of course, we have to remember everything is within context. And it's in the context of leadership because that's what we're talking about today. And this is actually a wonderful trait to have. Yeah, well, it's a good thing you clarified because I immediately <laughs> thought about 15 things that I was just going to yeah, ask for forgiveness for later. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, okay, so number one is leaders don't wait for permission. What is the second thing that leaders don't do? Yeah, the second is this. Leaders don't put themselves first. And this is one of my favorite principles to teach because I don't care who you are. You have been in a position where you have put yourself before your team. Now, you usually don't want to do it on purpose, but it happens, right? I mean, think about this. If you go to a baseball game with somebody and you're sitting there and you're in the outfield and you're thinking, man, I'm hungry. I want a dog and a Coke, right? And so you get up and and what do you say to the other people before you leave? Hey, would you like a dog and a Coke? Well, that's you thinking about you and, and, and the growlings of your stomach and then thinking about the other people. Leaders do it the opposite way. They're sitting and watching the game thinking, I wonder if these people need a dog and a Coke. I'm not really that hungry, but I'm going to ask them. You see, that, that's what it means to not put yourself first. And there's a great book by Simon Sinek, and I think we've, we've mentioned it before, but it's called Leaders eat last. And I know I talk about food a lot, but I just love eating, right? So um, now you, you don't really have to even read the book to understand, although you should. And, and if you want to understand what, what Simon Sinek is saying in this book, then you can understand it by understanding the simple understanding of leadership that he has. In fact, the name of the book is taken directly from a simple leadership principle that's been used by the Marine Corps for years. And it's that officers eat last. That's the phrase. Officers eat last. And it's a phrase that the U.S. Marines um, have used uh, for effective servant leadership. And it's an, it's an action used by Marine leaders. And the most senior leaders of an organization actually eat last if you're in the Marines. Because when you're eating a meal together, usually, you know, they're out in the field. And, and, and as we say in, in the military, you know, when you're in the dirt and, and whatever, um, you might be on a field training exercise and people are working hard. And you always want to make sure whether you're there or even in a combat environment that your people eat first, that they're taken care of first. Because here it is. The buck stops here. I love that phrase. In fact, um, U.S. President uh, Harry S. Truman once said that, and he didn't just say it, Amber. He kept a sign on his desk while he was president with that phrase, the buck stops here. And it was in the Oval Office. Anybody who came in to talk to him could see that. And they knew that the phrase referred to a notion that the president had to make decisions and he had to accept the ultimate responsibility for any of those decisions that came across his desk. Well, the concept leaders eat last and the buck stops here, like they they feel like they're different concepts or kind of maybe different goals. What what's what's the correlation between those two and how do we practically do that? How do we do both? Yeah, I would say that leaders eat last and the buck stops here are kind of they're they're two parts of the same principle, right? Which is the responsibility of the leader. And I'll say I'll say this, um, you know, the, the leaders eat last one. My question for our leaders out there is, 
when when you go, you know, somewhere, when you're doing something, when you have, uh, uh, if, if you're at a conference or whatever, are you looking to the people that you're supposed to be leading and making sure that they have the things that they need? Do you make sure that you're the people that you lead every day in your office, that they have the, the, the time, the resources and everything else that they need to get the job done? Because it's really important because again, the buck stops with you. And so let, let me illustrate by this. Uh, I, I received a phone call. This was years ago. And it was a young person um, who I'd been coaching and mentoring uh, for years. And then now um, she was uh, a district manager. And I remember she called me and it was like 3.30 in the morning. And she's like, Mo, I called you because I knew you'd be up. <laughs> Nobody else in the world is up right now, but I know. And sure enough, I was up drinking coffee. I was actually um, uh, writing my dissertation at the time. And I remember I said, you know, what's going on? And she just said, man, I, I am kind of in this preliminary stages. We got to get this stuff done. It's like 3.30. I got to get this stu stuff done because my stores open at 7 a.m. And we're not even close to being done. And I just, you know, part of me doesn't know what to do. I had to send my, here it is. I had to send my people home because they've been working tirelessly. They needed to go home and sleep, see their families, and they had to eat. And she says, I've had time to do none of that. In fact, Mo, I'm still wearing the same clothes that I was wearing 48 hours ago. And I was just kind of laughing. And she's like, I knew you were going to laugh. And I said, well, hey, let me ask you this. Would you rather have anybody else in the situation that you're in right now except for you? And she said, absolutely not. And I said, that's why you're the leader. <laughs> and sure enough, of course, she pulled it off and she was wonderful. And, you know, her people loved it and loved her. And um, they, they did the things that they were supposed to. And of course, the company was like, holy cow, this, you know, this, this lady is incredible. Because she understood those two principles at the same time. She realized that I'm the leader, so I'm going to eat last. Or sometimes, in that case, not at all, Right because she also knew that the buck stops here and she wanted to be the leader. And in that instance, she already knew that she was leader, but she proved to herself and the team and the company that she was leader. So leaders eat last and the buck stops here. Yeah. And that really <laughs> is what it means to not put yourself above your people. Mm. Well, and, and think about this. If I could say this, Amber, wh whether you're a military officer you're the president of the United States or you're a middle-level manager okay? or anything in between, above, below, whatever. You can take this simple principle and make it your own. That's all you got to do is just say, I'm going to make this my own. I can promise you that you will be the leader that everybody wants to work for if you adopt that principle or, you know, uh, the, of the principle of responsibility and that leaders eat last and the buck stops here. Because when your people see that you put them first, they're going to do nothing except for want to elevate you as well <laughs> because you're not worried about yourself and they know it. They're going to be like, well, if Amber's not going to elevate herself, we got to help, right? And so they're going to rally. And in that process, you're going to learn an even greater understanding of humility <laughs> because the more people put their trust in you, the, the, the more humble you become. And, and I remember one of my mentors told me that, Mo, as people continually put their trust in you, you're going to learn what it means to be humble. And it's true. And you never stop that process because as you work harder and, and, and put time in uh, and put people before yourselves, they're going to realize that they want to reciprocate and do the same thing for you. And it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for the good of the team because being a leader means serving more um, and serving others and always doing, in fact, Amber, you, our leaders out there should think, what does it take for me to outserve my people no matter what? <laughs> yeah. And talk about changing the climate. I mean, there's, 
you can always tell when a leader gets this part right, this others first part, because it really does change how everyone else in the organization serves each other. And who wouldn't want to be an employee or even a customer of that kind of culture? Yeah. So, and Mo, and, and oh. I, I want to, before we, we, we get to the next and, and final point, I want to make sure that people, if they haven't picked up Cheryl Batchelder's Dare to Serve, to go pick that up today. I mean, that's the that's the the book that whenever I hear of servant leadership, I, I think of of two people. I think of uh, Greenleaf and I think of Batchelder. And Cheryl Batchelder wrote a book called Dare to Serve, and it's about how she literally, almost single handedly, came in and people said, "You've got to be the one to do it." And she came in and said, I, "I've never really done this before." And they said, "Yeah." And, and we've talked about her at length in one of our earlier podcasts. But if you have not read her book Dare to Serve and you want to be a great servant leader, pick that up today. And I'm telling you, you'll get done with that and your head will be spinning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she really gets the idea, the concept of if we want to do what's best for the company, we've got to do what's best for the people that are right there on the ground, which in her case was the franchise owners. And then ultimately that makes everything else more successful. So yeah, love that book. <laughs> so but what is the third and final thing for today that leaders don't do if they want to change the climate? Yeah, I love this one. And, and here's the final point for today. <clears throat> leaders don't take others for granted. Leaders, you cannot take others for granted. I mean, first of all, you, you have to get very familiar with and live out the phrase, got your back. <laughs> you always have to be looking out for your people. They, they're, they're not going to perform well for somebody who treats them bad or treats them as a, as, as a nuisance. Um, or if, if they, if you make your people feel like they're just getting in your way. And I've met many leaders who are so invested in their own climb to the top that they treat their people like stepping stones to help them walk <laughs> and get to the next uh, point that they're trying to get to. And let me tell you, leaders, this is not the way to do it. And you're not going to be able to fake your people out. The people can smell this from a mile away. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're wondering why nobody's following you. You're going to wonder, why doesn't anybody have my back? And the answer is because you never truly had theirs. Well, are, are you saying that it's wrong for somebody to have personal and career goals that they focus on? Of course not. In fact, you know, you, you want to get better and we want to, we want to continually do better and be better. But it's the way that you view those things. It's the way that you view that climb. And remember, if you want to climb in leadership, the higher you climb, the more you have to focus on others. And so leaders, if you're out there and you're thinking, well, Mo, I do want to do better. I do want to be the vice president or the president or the CEO or the owner of this company that I'm working for. Great. You, my hope for you is that you're the kind of person who, when put in that position, when you finally uh, get elevated to that, when you put in the time, when you put in the work and you say, gosh, I've gotten it, I, I've gotten to, the, to, to this peak and there's not one peak in life, but to this peak in life that you could say, now I'm ready to serve more. Now I'm ready to give more to my people because no, it's not wrong to be focused on, on, I mean, that's probably why people are following you because you're probably a driven person and whether you're, you're uh, an, an outlandish, um, loud person, or if you're a, just a quiet, determined person, people are following you because you believe in yourself. I'm not telling you not to believe in yourself, right? We talked about self-confidence, believe in yourself, but within that, don't allow your people to start thinking that they're just part of the stepping stones that you're stepping on to get to where you're going. You've got to take your team. As um, I think Andy Stanley says, he says, um, leadership is lonely, so you better take somebody with you. <laughs> 
Yeah, Mo, that's one of the things that you've always really encouraged me to think about and to not do and not take people for granted or use them as a stepping stone. Because if if I do, then really I'm just nothing more than a positional leader, which is not what we want to be. And a positional leader is, remember, it's the first, it's the first step, right? And, and being a positional leader is good, but just because you're in the position doesn't mean that people are going to view you as a leader um, unless you give them a, a reason to follow you. And that's why it's the lowest part of the leadership rungs uh, in Maxwell's, um, you know, five uh, levels of leadership. So if you haven't, again, if you haven't read Maxwell's five levels of leadership, pick that one up. And once you're given that position, then you have a little bit of time, right? And, and your people are going to say, look, we want to follow you, but but this window's, it's narrow. And so when you're brought into a company, you need to, or, or place somewhere else in your organization, there's an informal process that, that a leader kind of undergoes. And so within the first several weeks, just like how Moore said earlier on in the beginning of our podcast, your people are going to judge you and they're going to decide whether you're worthy enough <laughs> to be trusted and to be followed. So how do you do that? And so you have to prove yourself by the way that you look, act, and make decisions. You, you have to have all three. People want to follow somebody who looks the part and knows that, you know, th this person really wants to be here. They, they want to follow somebody who acts accordingly. And for instance, you, you can't engage in pettiness or other stuff that non-leaders engage in. You have to be there for everybody. And that, that's what's tough because you have to kind of be there for everybody, not just one or two people or a group or a subsect of people. Your actions need to speak loud enough for your people to follow you. And of course, more, most importantly, you need to make sure that your decisions that you make make the team better. It's not enough to, to keep the ship going. You have to make it better, faster, and more impactful. Well, and that's a pretty tall order, right? Because, <laughs> you know, it, it, and it doesn't, it, it takes time and it takes consistency. And so I think we want it to happen really quickly, but it takes time to prove that basically that you are who you say that you are and that you are going to do what you say you're going to do. Because after all, that's what we expect from our people, right? And so if we're not going to take them for granted, then we have to be willing to put in the time and the consistency and be willing to prove ourselves to, you know, earn their permission, which is the second level of leadership, to earn their permission to truly lead. So Mo. Before we wrap up today, what are your final thoughts for our leaders out there? Yeah, re remember this, you know, um, your least busy day on the job as a leader is going to be your first day. <laughs> Every day after that get, gets more intense because the work never stops for a leader. And when the rest of your team is taking times off uh, and, and they're, they're, they're eating or sleeping or sometimes spending time with their family, and you're thinking, man, I wish I could do that too. Just remember that you signed up for, for that that position. And so unofficially, I would say that leaders don't really get much time off. And so take initiative, take uh, full advantage of your support team. And if you don't have a support team, you've got to get a support team because they're the ones that you're going to be able to go to. And they're going to, they're, they're the ones, they're the only ones that are going to be asking you, did you eat? Did you sleep? Did you spend time with the ones that you love? Because nobody else is thinking about that. They're thinking about themselves. You need to have that support system because as you're putting your people first and you're not doing all the things we talked about today, um, you need to make sure that people are looking and, and looking out for you. And so you might be someone who's been in your position for a while and you might be thinking to yourself, man, I, I already blew it. Don't worry. If, if you blew it, 
you can take that long, slow road of building back up trust with your team, and I know you can do it. So just make sure that as you change the climate of your company, whether you're brand new or whether you've been there for a while and you're like, hey, I, I've got to, I've got to turn the ship around, or maybe you're in a company and you, some, they decided we're going to put you over here to be impactful because you've done a great job where you are. Remember that the climate starts with you, and you need to make sure that you put your people first using these principles we've talked about today. That's so good. Thanks, Mo. We appreciate it. That brings us to the end of this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.